Hello, gamers. This is Brian, and we have two announcements before we start this week. One is we do have a video version of this episode available on our Patreon at all tiers. You can get that at patreon.com slash late night. And the other is we have a beautiful, lovely peaches and lemons pin set, which is available at merch.latenight.com, and it is 10% off right now. To everybody, you don't even need to code. That's how generous we are. So go to merch.latenight.com to get your own little peaches and lemons pin set. And now, hey, enjoy the hell out of the show. So I forget, Paul. Are you in? Are you in London, or yeah, where just, are you right now? Just outside okay. now. Uh, I live in a, in a very exciting place called Harrow, and by exciting, I mean tedious and slightly depressing on a regular basis. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I, but there is a very yeah. posh school just over the way, uh, uh-huh. where I believe folks like Benedict Cumberbatch went to. That kind of caliber of oh. child. Yeah. Like, oh, actually, okay, so this is something I never, you know, we, we left before our kid was, like, old enough to go to school. Lucky. Well, yeah, yeah, I was actually kind of, I, I, I'd heard mixed things about London uh, schools. Yeah. I'm sure there's some great ones and some oh, yeah. less great ones. Uh, what is the deal with uniforms and kids? Is that just a, like, are the fancier schools the uniforms? Do they all have to wear uniforms? Yeah, when I went to when I was at school, I had a uniform, and uh, I get getting told off by the teachers because I would roll the sleeves of my blazer up to about here because I thought yes. that looked cool. Ah, right. No, well, it was it was the eighties, nineties. Uh, uh, I'll have you know. All right, don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I think I started uh, my secondary school in about nine. Uh, oh God, late early nineties. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so yeah, I had the blazer, and back then, like the whole thing was, you were meant to be all uniform and tidy, and everyone had the same thing. That's the whole point of it, I think. In school, it's a, it's a mental thing rather than anything else to kind of, you know, strip you down like a soldier's uniform, I guess, but for schools. Right. Um, but when you get to a certain age, you start rebelling. So it's like you have a great big tie knot, an aggressively huge tie knot, or like me, you roll your sleeves up and think you're in Miami Vice. <laughs> turn, turn your gain down just a touch okay. more it actually it still looks like it's coming out a little hot i'm actually surprised this is picking up as well as it is it really is wow all right okay i'm gonna try with there this oh even yeah i think this is gonna be better That's and also i forget better. how boomy i am oh well notoriously famously boomy. yeah i have a very bassy uh, tone to my voice <laughs> it's it's lovely you have a beautiful broadcaster it voice. really is thank you and a sex chat line <laughs> voice as well so <laughs> I can make my money that's, in two different alleys. That's right. Oh, okay. So I was I was talking or listening to someone talk about here in the States, we had uh, what were referred to as 900 numbers. Right. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I'm going to guess it's like party lines and things like that. Yeah. So it basically, it was a thing. Leighton, are you old enough to know what these are? No. 900 numbers? No. no. Do you have any idea what I'm... Wow. Is that really... Are these okay. like... She's never had to dial a number in her life. Yeah, that's, that's right. I am sick of uh, the level of phone shaming I have experienced on this show, Paul. This isn't about you. It's just in the past like month, I've had right. multiple people be like, "You've never touched a phone before." No, you're right. I'm I haven't. Sorry actually for being part of that manually. problem. No, it's okay. I've, now I feel bad. 
Um, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Have you never dialed a rotary phone ever? I mean, it like flea markets. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I guess you know, I really humbling. have no like to stand on. Uh, but. <laughs> but you're not missing a... much, really, though. I mean, no, that's true. It's not like it was fun. It was no. just it was actually it was incredibly tedious and, and terrible because you have to wait for yeah. the thing to go no, yeah. all the way back. Of course. But... Like dining with an abacus. Um, what what i was going to ask okay so 900 numbers what they were here is they you would call them and then they would charge your phone bill like it was some rate per minute right so you call them and you don't like give them a credit card necessarily although some you did i think but a bunch of them the charge would just show up in your phone bill right so it was Mm -hmm. very easy to rack up these like crazy charge it would notoriously like kids would call i remember uh Alyssa milano the star of who's the boss oh kids would call the, her directly that's the crazy Alyssa milano hotline i remember the the promos it's way cool oh no uh, yeah <laughs> for folks and who are just me. listening brian did a very like yeah. cheesy thumbs up i don't know why i did a thumbs up to demonstrate to audio listeners no, that that's what I, I, I cringe so hard i nearly turned myself inside out <laughs> <laughs> it's spiritual so did you guys have loving. somebody some equivalent of that in in the uk you know what we did but what was most i guess famous were like as you get older and you stay up later and you start watching late night tv you start realizing there's more niche programming back up at that time of day so yeah. the phone numbers that kind of went out appealed to a very particular market <laughs> and that market seemed to be in the 90s gay mm-hmm. male chat dating lines and so yep. it's funny how those, those yep. numbers get burnt into your skin because of the advert slogans so even in my head now i can easily hear the oh eight nine one fifty 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 with a kind of dance track behind it <laughs> uh-huh and, and that was a gay these, party line yeah and there was all these guys in the videos for the adverts who were like all in a group but not close enough mm-hmm. to be like properly interacting but all doing their uh-huh. own separate things so one would be like you know pumping an iron and the other yep. one would be like reading a book and then the other one's looking at his watch. And it's like, oh, what an interesting mix of men you could be talking to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember there were a lot of like, I, 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 I think I vaguely remember some gay ones. But there were, I remember a lot more like uh, straight ones where it's like, these girls are waiting to talk to you. And it's Ooh. a bunch of like You did women that really well. That, well, thank you. I'm, uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> you do. I got excited. <laughs> uh, so it's like, you know, women lounging around in yeah. lingerie, you know, just kind of posing while the camera slowly mm. pans over them. Oh, and, yeah. Tell me more. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Go into a bit more detail, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'll text you at our usual time. Oh, OK. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'll be up. It'll go. It'll go straight to your phone bill. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like 900 lines walked so uh, hot singles in your area could run. Yeah. I mean, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's is that still a thing? Hot singles in your area? I don't know. I mean, if you go around uh... London, you will still see phone boxes slathered with uh, postcards for sex chat lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure it's still a thing in some respects, but maybe not in the familiar and innocent ways we remember it from the 90s well that that's interesting to me the the i wonder if it's okay in 2022 who is someone that would call on the phone a chat line rather than 
You this conversation's over. I'm off. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> just, just, yeah. With the you could you could probably spend less money and subscribe to like a bunch of people on OnlyFans, and then that's right. just yeah. the full frontal experience. You're not just talking to somebody on the phone. Yeah, hmm. but is it is it a generational thing? Is that aimed at older people? Is it people who have like phone cards but not internet access? I, I wonder guess so. what that is, right? Because well, I guess there's still going to be a market for it. So if this, people are still using the service, someone has to supply that service. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I had lost. to Google. I had to Google sex hotlines because I wanted to know if they're interactive. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is the first one that comes up? Oh, sex. Okay. Uh, let's see. You just Googled the phrase sex hotlines. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to guess it's MILF related. Oh, that would have been my guess. But just for the sake of variety, I'm going to say dog. <laughs> All right. It's the sex Sorry. addiction hotline. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Provided by psychguides.com. That makes sense. Everybody's wondering yeah, sure. that number can be reached at 1 800 662 help. But that's good. And a, yeah. a slightly anonymous number. You can call up and say, uh, something's happened. Help me. That, does it say hot sex addiction counselors are waiting to talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sponsored 60 best phone sex numbers with free trials in 2022. Wow. Yeah, that would be me. a massive head fuck, though, if you call up and it's like, I've, 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 I've found this lump down there. And the person on the other end goes, tell me more about it. You say, wait, wait, what's, what's going on? You know what? That, that, I have to say, that, Paul, mm. seems like, I think you're onto something here. Because if you could combine <laughs> some kind of telemedicine, telehealth, yeah. with, you know, a, a sex chat line. Yes, with erotica. You could... Well, first of all, you might it might be a public service, right? Because people who are otherwise unwilling to go to the doctor mm. might, you know, might want to talk to some hot docs in your area. Yeah. Talk to hot docs about your troubling <laughs> bladder condition. one 800 hot docs I think that's a winner. I'm going to get a yeah. pen because this is gold. <laughs> I, I like that it's very close to one 800 hot dogs <laughs> There might be some confusion. Well, I think there's one eight hundred hot docs, and then there is one eight hundred hot dogs, which is like, do you want to hear somebody sedu- seductively describe hot dog menus to you? Yes, yes. Or just su- sucking on some dogs, sucking oh. down some dogs. Oh God, I didn't uh. know this was going to be such a racy show. Oh, I'm that's, have to open a window. We're barely ten minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, it could, you know, it could um, soften messages. You have only. Seven <laughs> weeks to live. Mm. <laughs> Fine. All right. Thank you. I, I I think there there was something like that. I think it was Mr. Show where they got like two cute kids to deliver troubling medical news. That was the <laughs> yeah. sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was their thing. Well, the phone sex line actually made me think about also a Mr. Show sketch where... Uh, Bob Odenkirk plays Peppermint, uh, mm. who is like a phone sex operator. And of course, the the conceit of the sketch is this guy who sounds exactly like Bob Odenkirk, you know, but does a slightly higher pitch voice. Hello, <laughs> this is Peppermint, is stunningly erotic on the phone. And everybody he talks to is like into it. 
Uh, I'm sure this is this is out there somewhere. Early Bob Oh, yeah. What's better than early Bob Odenkirk? I went to see him a few days ago doing a talk. Oh yeah, what? that's right. Because yeah. you were, I, that, I bought the book. Uh, and you did you get the book too? Yeah, weirdly it came with a ticket for the show, so it was two for one. That's so great. And w- so to tell us about it, like, what was it? Uh, he's apparently the loveliest man in the world, and it's annoying. It's just deeply annoying <laughs> because, like, he's so, um, you know, self-deprecating in many respects. And I think, you know, he he states numerously when he was doing the talk that he wants the book to be just about as much failure as it is success because in a career like that you're going to see more failure than success and so he kind of breaks it down he tells us you know he told a few anecdotes and he talked about uh nobody weirdly not enough chat about um breaking bad and better call Saul, but it just felt like he was hyper focused on talking about his start and his troubles and his lax attitude to work and him trying to find Mm -hmm. his space and a voice and so it's kind of really inspiring for a struggling comedian in his 40s to go all right, I'll keep going then if he keeps going. It's that kind of weird thing. Did did he talk about the Mr. Show type era a lot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I wanted to ask him about um, uh, Run, Runny, Run. Yes. Because that's just oh, yeah. fascinating. I want to know more about how that all went to hell. But he did yes. talk about it. But I think he was aware that in terms of like the UK audiences, they probably mostly known from Breaking Bad, etc. Whereas there was a hardcore audience of people who knew about, you know, all his small appearances on sitcoms, all the Saturday Night Live stuff he did. They knew, they knew about Mr. Show. They knew about um, the Adam, uh, Ben Stiller show. Ben Stiller show, yeah. And, and he was also bigging up Tim and Eric a lot as well, talking about you know right. how right. he supported comedy oh, yeah. and comedians like that to get a foot in the door. So I mean, yeah. he was instrumental in Tim and Eric, right? Like he basically was the person. Well, I, I don't remember the details, but. I remember him telling some story about they sent him a VHS and he watched it and he was like, these are the guys and then helped them. Maybe, maybe he was a producer on the show or something, something like that. that. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm, 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 I like Tim and Eric, but I've always been a bit like I've came I came at it the wrong direction. So I came at Tim and Eric through um, on cinema with Greg Turkington and oh. then worked my way backwards. Yes. Yeah. Have I tickled it's your uh, taste buds with that? Because that's my oh. favorite thing in the whole world. Oh, yes, currently. you have. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Yay. You can go now, Brian. Uh, <laughs> who's Oscar going to pick this year? Well, it's going to be The Hobbit. <laughs> of course. Okay. I mean, it's after the, the devastating, uh, Manx's devastating loss last year, we're going to get over it. Um, mm. Yeah, I similarly, I was too young to have been on into Tim and Eric when it was on and so grew up with the proliferation of all of the annoying quirks that people took from that and so I find it unbearable I think Tim is so fucking funny but like on cinema is so just I love to be handed a dense dense text and Mm. just that that, that's so aggressively like fuck you I dare you to watch this I dare you to sit (laughs) through a five-hour trial Right, well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's such a fascinating show that when people say, well, where should I start? You go, oh, that's a really hard question. Do you start with an Oscar special to get them into it? Or do you say, just go to the very beginning of the series? Or do you say, find the podcast that they did and start there? Or There's an on-cinema timeline website where somebody very meticulously put together like every tweet, every video chronologically. But I think that's too intimidating. I think... Yeah, and I know they released a book as well a few years ago which i need oh, to get yeah. my hands on and mr america like i think mm, you have to stress yeah. the importance of like don't skip the oscar specials they are like no. the season finales it's the most but, important yeah. part of the show 
it's funny how they're kind of a season closer and they're also a season opener. How by the end, yeah. the status quo has changed and so you know kind of where they're going next. And I find that utterly beautiful, um, just in terms of how it's... I mean, the lore is dense because it's not just on cinema. It's like, well, then you have to watch Decker and then you have mm-hmm. to try and wrap your head mm-hmm. around that. And then obviously the court case, which is, I think, one of the most brilliant pieces of comedy I've seen in years it's um, nothing makes me laugh like that trial does. I rewatched it so many times. It's just like pitch perfect, and I would die to see the behind the scenes on that shit. Oh, for me, the the, the golden moment, the bit where that sealed itself as a genuine classic, was when they got Nicholas Meyer to turn up to talk about Star Trek, <laughs> and the whole <laughs> argument hinged around Star Trek two and four, and that to me was like the ultimate callback and re- resolved perfectly for the sake of that court case and what it meant for the characters yeah. and the. You know, it, uh, it's Greg, Greg eating popcorn in the galley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim physically threatening Mark on the stand. Uh, oh, Mark Proach as well, who's just—he's the best. All, everything he does fun. is funny. It's uh, it, did did they come through when they did their live show? Did they come through the UK? They did, but when I just didn't get to see it, unfortunately, because I was working, and, and it pains me to this day that I couldn't go. Yeah. I, I saw the I saw the live show out here. Now I have not consumed the the, the amount of it that you guys have, mm. but the live show was incredibly funny, and uh, just I mean, you know that that audience is it's such a niche thing mm. with such passionate fans. It's a really fun group. It, it's tricky uh, though that to be a part of yeah because part of me thinks. I'd love to see it live. And the other part of me thinks it might be obnoxious, like going to the Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings, <laughs> where it's like, sounds fun. But these days, it seems like the only people who are enjoying it are the ones on stage, and the audience get like the hard end of it. So I kind of feel like if I went to see that live, there'd be so many people in on the joke that they wouldn't let the show breathe and be itself because they want to preempt mm. certain behaviors it, or th- gimmicks. It, it, that was not the case. Oh, okay. I have to say, I, I think that is 100% the right concern but mm. uh in the the show i saw was they were like they let it breathe they were trying a bunch of different stuff mm. uh it was genuinely funny uh they did a bunch of different things uh from that universe it was it, it was really really great yeah uh it, I, it's I have such to say a fascinating they pretty much nailed it world that they've built probably you know accidentally over the last like nine years or whatever they've been doing this it's yeah just... oh it's it's just like a comedy lasagna like there are so many <laughs> <laughs> with the level of mass carnage and death that has occurred with the plot line at this <laughs> yeah. point where like tom cruise <laughs> tom cruise jr just feels oh. like the first domino but when it happens it's like yeah what am i watching and then that's the show like that's yeah and then like bringing him back as a CGI grown-up boy. You know, it's, it's all those really dark turns. But yeah, it never feels like a yeah. dark show. It's, it's such this... No. It's, it's more, like, emotionally violent than it is outwardly dark. <laughs> yes, that's yes. so true. Yeah, it's just people who fucking hate each other so much. Mm. So this is, this is what I was going to ask. So occasionally, uh, and maybe this is just the different fan bases, every once in a while, you know, me being me, I will try some form of gentle antagonism with uh, twerp, for right. example, you know, or other yeah, people yeah, yeah. in the NSP world. Mm-hmm. And so last year they, 
booked me for, or maybe it was two years ago, they booked me for a cameo. And I did a th- it was to promote the tour. We worked it out ahead of time, and I pretended to be annoyed by it. Like I was picking up the phone in the middle of the night. And okay. the overwhelming feedback that they and I got, we started like a little mini beef or whatever. Uh, sorry, beef is an American delicacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they And the overwhelming reaction from fans was this sucks i hate it when people fight oh why yeah. why wh- why is this you know why is this funny it just seems like you're antagonizing each other i get that it's a joke but i don't ever want to see this type of humor where people are like ma- fake mad at each other mm. and so my question is it, and it was not just one person it was like most people wow it was like back when i would still search late night on Twitter that people would be like, yeah, uh, I don't listen to an intersex party anymore because of Brian's whole fight with twerp. I thought it was really disgusting. It was like, okay. Some people said that. Yes. And and I was like, wait. So from from my perspective, look, I'll be the first to admit that there very, very rarely I try some comedy that isn't funny. It almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Most of my jokes, all you know, one ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the hit, time. It's a good hit, right? It really is. Well, it's it's not even just hit; they destroy. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's not just that they hit; they crush. So do you need some private time <laughs> while you stroke yourself? <laughs> is this? Did we stumble while, into the nine hundred number here? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Uh, everyone, you know, like. Yeah, certainly half the stuff I try, at least, you know, if I get one thing people enjoy, I'll be happy. But uh, with this, I was shocked. I was like, not only like I can I understand not landing, Mm. but then trying something where people are like this, this upsets me when when it just baffled Hmm. me. I see that this fight is fake. Let me start a real fight because I'm mad that this fight is fake. It's like I cannot actualizing it in many respects. It's like it didn't exist, but now it does because of the reaction. And that's what I find really, like, the, 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 the confliction there. Yes. Because, I mean, so, for instance, okay, so yeah. I've got an example with that where, so I do my podcast, Cheap Show, and I do work with a guy called, um, his name's Paul Rose, but he's been known since, like, the early 90s as Mr. Biffo because he used to write video games uh, reviews for a service on TV called Teletext, which is a whole thing. Um, so he does a channel called Digitizer, and we started doing crossover episodes and because we're both inspired by on cinema we thought we'd try the whole tim and greg thing of being a slightly antagonistic nothing too Mm -hmm. much but i can't remember what the incident was now but we did one tweet that was a reaction to an episode where i was treated badly and so i reacted online as if i was outraged the episode went out because i you know i was made to look like a fool things like that and the feedback we got was so negative in terms of you're encouraging bullying. You've, you're upsetting what? the audiences. Yeah, we got things like that. We got you splitting the audience up in the fan base. You're making people choose sides. And I was like, oh, no, we thought it'd be the opposite and people would get it. And so we kind of pull back on that or we go over the top with it. So you can't possibly take it seriously. But then people still take it seriously, but even when it is extremely it over the top. Yeah. But I don't know what the difference question. is for on cinema, though. Yeah, that's exactly my... Is it that... So with On Cinema, typically... I mean, I would imagine demographically their fan base is a bit older. Guys in their guys in their 30s probably <laughs> in terms of all or, the, or, the On Cinema fans older. I know. Yeah, well, exactly. I, guys in their 30s and up. I do have a theory. But, yeah. And I think the theory is, is because 
Greg Turkington and Tim Heidecker, in many respects, already exist as different personalities. No matter what version you see of them, there's, there's a character version of them. So, like, there's the Tim Heidecker who does Tim and Eric. There's the Tim Heidecker who does on cinema. There's the Tim Heidecker who does that weird cooking show where he's obsessed yeah. with mustard. There's the Tim <laughs> Heidecker who's the cultist. Yeah, yeah, and the the the, the very serious stand-up, and then there's also the musician. The musician, and yeah, so there's right, all yeah. these different layers. That I think, I think he just shifts. And Greg Turkington is the same because he was known for. I knew I'd forget it now. The minute I wanted to say it, the lounge singer, Neil so, Hamburger. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which right, you know yeah. is another piece of genius. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's because they their audience know they can switch personalities that they just know that this is the on cinema version of these people and they kind of roll with it so it's like a hermetically sealed understanding of that universe mm -hmm. that's my theory yeah, and, I and, challenge and you both to of present them, your own both of them I was going to say that both of them generally don't like engage in true out of character stuff like they do very little press for on cinema but also like tim mm. does office hours which is it's oh, yeah. bitty but mm -hmm. you know it's not the full i am in character kind of move I, it's a yeah, little but bit it's, of everything, it's, it's, isn't it? And, it? and when I look at the comments on, on cinema videos where everyone's like taking a hard side and getting in on the bit, I'm like, yeah, mm, that's great. Right. I love that. Yeah. So is is that though, but then the question with the whole, in, in my case, the one thing I can point to, that me twerp thing, mm. is that a demographic thing and it's just a different group of people uh, who don't respond as well to that? Or is it because it's a, a slightly younger audience, do you think? Is that... Here's my theory. I think that we exist in a, an internet pop culture zone where people are really, really, really desperate for YouTuber dirt, um, or perhaps have predispositions against certain groups of people, uh, and are mm -hmm. so desperate for drama that when you hand them fake drama, they don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. That's, yeah. that's my take. I just don't understand why people want drama at all. It's such a strange thing to put content out there. And it, it's one thing to have an arrogance to say, oh, this will fly and this, you, know, you take what I give you. But then there's a whole sense of, I hope you like this. And when it comes back in the opposite way, you go, oh, what, what went wrong with that formula this week? Or what went wrong with that particular idea? It's so hard mm -hmm. to put a finger on because you just don't know. Uh, what the audience is going to be in the mood for or what that audience is from project to project. Right. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah, because it is such mm -hmm. an invisible yeah. audience and then also the nature of like the stuff that you see as feedback, there's that that's like such a surface level of people because primarily when I think about the shows that I consume and like really, really love, I don't interact with that shit at all on social media. Like I'm not a commenter. Mm. I don't, I, I'm not I like, follow. hey, this is I my follow, favorite. I, will, I just yeah. passively right. witness. Yeah and monetarily yep. support so like yeah. the stuff that you actually do see is a subset of people who are willing to actively engage uh with media and then there's also the subsection of that people who are actively engaging in media that they hate <laughs> as is the way. internet yeah. that's yeah, the uh, I... internet lasagna and it, 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 it also is. it does feel it, it's inter and people many people smarter than myself have commented on this in the type of humor that I grew up with, the real Gen X-y, snarky yeah. kind of type of thing, that was that was the default mode. Is the like kind of aggressive? It's it's not like it wasn't like broy aggressive, although that certainly was part mm. of it. It was that like detached, snarky, sarcastic kind of thing, 
And that started to really shift away from that. Uh, probably, you know, maybe early 2000s. I feel like it started to really get away from that and, and goofy, silly, like the Apatow kind of stuff started to take over and it became that re- much, much broader uh, thing again, which, of course, you know, everything comes in waves. That was popular a while back. Yeah. But it felt like people were m- moving away from uh, the ironic detachment kind of thing and into the, the silly Apatowian. Which, which is uh, good. But humor. I think, some, unfortunately, I think, most comedy these days seems to feel like it's just reference comedy. Like what seems to be popular is that point and look at that. Do you remember that? Isn't that funny? Let's move on. It, 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 it's, it's just, it, it, it's like, it's everywhere now where it's like, I don't think I've seen a film. I mean, I've not seen many films recently to be fair, cause uh, time, but the ones I have seen have all, <laughs> have always been like multiverse and Easter eggs to that thing from the past. Or do you remember that reference? Or look here, the droogs from clockwork orange cheering on bugs, bunny in space jam. It's, 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 yeah. it's so built on what we remember now. Yeah. <laughs> I just find I, that bizarre. I have to say yeah. one, one thing I've been watching recently, which is, it's not quite a comedy, but it's not, not a comedy mm. is this. Uh, I talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, this new show severance, Okay. Uh, on HBO. Do you know what this is, Paul? I know of it. It's one of the many yeah. things I have yet to watch, including uh, my graduation video. So I'm going to catch up eventually. <laughs> it's it's really, really great and does. It's very funny. I mean, it's got uh, Adam Scott, John Turturro, Zach Cherry, uh, oh, Patricia nice. Arquette, Christopher. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm going to spoil this. If you haven't seen this <laughs> show, skip the next 10 seconds. Uh, if you want to see... Christopher Walken and John Turturro have a burgeoning office relationship. <laughs> this is the show for you. They wow. are like into each other in a very <laughs> sweet way. And it's pretty, pretty great. Uh, like, yeah, uh, just two guys you I've never seen in quite that zone. Certainly not with each other uh, before. But the show is really funny in a way that does not feel derivative Mm. Uh, at all to me it feels genuinely original and cool i think that's where uh, it is though isn't it it's like tv is the new cinema because half the shows you watch look like anything better made in the 90s with a big screen by and large it's kind yeah. of crazy yeah and so the tv shows that i do watch and i don't watch a lot these days and people say oh are you turning your nose up and it's like no i kind of don't have the time it's kind yeah. of weird yeah. so uh, the stuff i do want to watch i tend to want it to be as original or as weird as possible I've still got three mm-hmm. seasons of Bob's Burgers to catch up on. That's the kind of deficit I have in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is a good place to introduce the show. Oh. Since we're a half an hour in. Everybody, this is Late Night with Brian Wecht. Over here we have Leighton Gray. Oh, that's me. Uh, that one was Brian Wecht. Mystery guest. What's up? Who are you? Oh, hello. What yes. are you doing here? I am Paul Gannon, and I don't know what I am doing here. But if anyone does have an answer, I would love that. You can get in touch with me in all the usual places. I am looking for all the answers. Amazing. And where's the, what's the 900 number where fans can reach you to chat? It's 0900 hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, folks, use the G, not the C. <laughs> it's D-A-W-G, hot dog. Mm, you got nice. to gotta yes. remember that. Brit- British spelling. British spelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, well, so so one thing. I mean, you mentioned it before, Paul, but uh, I mean, you what you're you're closing in on episode three hundred. 
Oh, of my bloody uh, podcast. Yeah. Of your podcast. Congratulations. Is, we, we are, we, we just passed episode 100 over here. And it feels like a milestone though, right? Yeah. You think, oh, but, I can't believe I got to 100. Aren't I yep. great? And yep. then you get to and, 300 and you just want to put a bullet in your head. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I love the show, but, but I, I honestly didn't think it had the legs to get to 300, but we're still kicking. How many, when, what year did the show start? Uh, we started in 2016 and it wow. was monthly. And then it got a little bit more popular because we joined a YouTube channel with two very popular YouTubers in the UK. And that boosted our profile. So then we went uh, fortnightly. And then because we started you know, getting real interest, we thought, oh, let's kind of do it weekly. I have the time. I've, we've made it work. And it's just been weekly since about, I think, about 2019. And I haven't mm -hmm. seen my family since. <laughs> now, I was going to say, I understand you had a real banger of an inaugural guest. It was for, you. For your, I forgot. Oh, me? I know. Yeah. Well, that was weird because, I'll, look, I'll be honest with you. It was a completely cynical move, right? Because we'd recorded a bunch of episodes. Um, me and Eli, my co-host Eli Silverman, um, we started, because we both like started doing stand-up and we both did it and we hated it and we gave up because we found it depressing. Um, and so I said, let's do this whole podcast thing and let's do it live, like in a, in a venue with people. And we found the venue and we did it live, but there weren't many people coming to see us. And so we had this whole series for a while. And as we began to do it and have guests on, the format changed. And so it was like, oh, we can call this Cheap Show because every week we look at cheap things that we find in bargain bins and charity shops and thrift stores and pound lands and you know dollar tree type places uh and so i rejigged all the early episodes and thought you know what's a good one to have on first brian he's good isn't he we'll have him cheapest on first. guest we could get yeah, yeah cheapest and angriest strange <laughs> trouble with many awkward conversations afterwards but Indeed. um so yeah you were by uh default our first guest i'd like to say it was intentional but it's merely opportunistic. <laughs> well, and I think I was just about to leave. I was just about to move, yeah. right? It was like within the last few weeks I was living in London that uh, you guys did that, I think. Yeah, because I was like coming out of doing like geeky type shows, pop culture type right. stuff. Which is how we met Yeah, when you when you performed as a stand-up at Geek Week in Boston in 2011, I guess. So I remember when, when we met, it was you and Richard Sandling mm. uh, in, in Boston. Uh, and I was like, oh, God, I'm coming over to the UK and I'll see you guys over there. So maybe it was 2012. Maybe. Uh, I, it all blows yeah, yeah. into one at that point because I was like, I was doing well with stand-up. Not like famously so, but I was making a bit of money when I was gigging and things like that. So it was really exciting because, you know, I, I met you through Kevin who was organizing Geek Week. Yep, it was Kevin Harrington, fun yeah. to go over to Boston and I was also going to film some stuff for my solo show in New York because Richard was going over because he was nominated for a Comedy Central Award. Right, he, for, for his a, mu for the mustache, Tom Selleck's mustache brilliant, video, right? Yeah, yeah, video. amazing video, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just met a load of lovely people that, that weekend, that long weekend, whatever it was, and it was just one of my favorite times ever as a working stand-up, I guess, to go out there yeah. and feel legit. It was, that, that was a great weekend. The, the other thing I remember from that show is that's the first time I met or saw Aparna Nancherla, who was performing... Oh. Also at that Geek Week, wow! Um, so you know that would have been ten-ish years ago, and I think she was—I don't think that was like one of her first shows. I think she'd been performing for a yeah. while, but of course now she's like 
a huge name and yeah and crushing it yeah it was funny I, I i was looking through my old like gig lists and things recently um and i came across a, a gig i did at edinburgh for the uh, richard herring podcast that i used to do in edinburgh and i was a guest mm. one week and i was like hmm what other idiots were on that episode with me that week by a chance hmm. and i look back it's like the first name was Bo Burnham or whatever his bloody name is. It's like he was like I think he was just like breaking through at the time or something and he was uh-huh. just coming over. And I was thinking, yeah, all right, fair enough. I'm, this is when I leave the stage. <laughs> you know? He would have been a baby then, right? That's what I was gonna say. Is he was he must have been like fourteen or something. Whenever right? yeah, when yeah, in twenty thirteen, whenever it was, yeah. Blimey. He was a yeah. young, sprightly young chap. Yep. Yeah. I believe it. I was going to ask, what's your most depressing stand-up experience? <laughs> yes. Oh, Boom. Dude. I mean... <laughs> Let's get into it. I can't tell you every one of these 700 or so gigs I did, because we don't have the time. But... Sure. There was one that stuck out, and it, was, it wasn't like... I was reasonably lucky in that I never... Hang on, I've just remembered another story. I'm going to lie. Um, okay, so... <laughs> you can tell them really both, that by I, the way. I, yeah, I yeah. didn't have too bad a stand-up career. I wasn't like, you know, a genius, but I got people laughing and everyone had a good time at the end of the day, right? Um, but there were two gigs that spring to mind. One was just sort of rugby club in the middle of nowhere. And it was for rugby players who were all very drunk. Um, and the, I remember having a fine time with it, but the act on before me was a very British, very straight-laced. He came on in a suit and a tie, and his material was all about cricket, and like older, older guy, about the same age as me, really thirties okay. at the time. Yeah. But his whole mannerism was like, you know, young conservative. If if you can imagine that kind of look, mm-hmm. but his material was always a bit kind of racy. Anyway, he did not go down well with that crowd. It was a really unfortunate gig for him. Um, and the minute he got off the stage, some guy walked up to him, reached out to shake his hand, and went, "Mate, you're just not very good." As he's shaking this oh. comedian's hand, so oh. I see this comedian, Andrew or something or other, just walk out the venue and get into the car and start the engine, and in which he continued to rev for the next hour as everyone else oh picked their set. And I'm on oh the stage God. trying to stand up, and all I hear is, So the gig ends, I get my money, he's driving <laughs> oh me back God. to London. and This my, guy, the guy that, that just, that just yeah, bombed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get into his car, and my foot isn't in the car, and the door is definitely wide open before he tears ass right down the street to get out of it. And then for seven hours, I heard the most disgusting invective from him about his opinion of that gig in the night. Oh, So that was one. Poor, so that was more worse for him than for me, but it was an awkward night. The second one was I had a gig in the afternoon. Oh, no, in the early evening, because it was doubling up kind of thing. So I was taking an earlier show at seven. And beforehand, I was at a barbecue having a, a drink or two. And I'm a lightweight, so that's warning number one. The second one is it was a really hot, lovely, sunny day. So I was taking loads of um, uh, hay fever pills. So by the time I got to the gig, I was completely out of my mind um, to the point where I don't remember much of it. I remember being on stage. I remember shouting someone, someone shouting to me, you've done that song already. And then, <laughs> someone, and then someone else shouted. And then they all did the punchline with me when I told the joke for the first time the second time. So, um, <laughs> oh my god! Oh. I, I just I oh, shook my head and Paul. walked off. So yeah, and, we, and then was violently really ill. Really funny. Uh, Speaking of being sharing, violently ill, yes. Oh, I was going to go was, on a different thread on the topic of violently ill, but 
Well, I was going to share. I, I, let, let me do it. Sure, while, yours before is probably we more, topics, more relevant. Well, I was going to share a bad gig story. Okay. Um, so this, it's not a comedy thing. This is a music thing. Uh, so for several years, uh, when I was living in San Diego, I was in a a local like jam band cover. Ba- I mean, not quite a cover band. We did a bunch of covers, but a lot of originals, too. Hmm. And we were just like, you know, none of us was doing it full time. Everyone had other jobs. It was like a, you know, get gigs where we could. And we had regular gigs. We were performing, you know, several times a month at various establishments around San Diego. Um, but it was, you know, none of us were, uh, at that point, like professional musicians, basically a bunch of hobbyists. Uh, so we got a, (laughs) a gig. It was rare. We would like travel, travel for a gig. They were usually around San Diego. Uh, our regular gig was at this place in Pacific beach in San Diego called the Tiki house, which was only tangentially a Tiki themed bar, but didn't (laughs) serve any Tiki drinks. So they had some like tiki iconography around. Mostly it was a biker bar. Uh, and <laughs> that was our regular gig. We had to set up the riser around the pool table. And our deal was, we, in addition to, I don't know, probably three or four hundred bucks for a Saturday night, we'd get as much Miller Lite as we could drink. Great. Like, no, nothing else was on the house. They were total all the, sweethearts. All the riches in the world. Yeah. It was uh, honestly, I love that place. Everyone working there was cool. Uh, we just pack it with our friends and have a great time every Saturday night. We would occasionally uh, venture out from that scene and we booked a place. It's like an hour north of San Diego. Uh, I forget who booked this gig for us. One of one of, one of the members of the band, but it was called Zip and Zach's Filling Station was the name of the establishment. I did not realize it was a gas station themed restaurant what where the theme was you were in a gas station and not a good guy and it was not a gas station to be clear this is an indoor establishment but it was like you know you were in the filling station but instead of gas you were filling yourself with alcohol guess what uh so what the fuck we booked this we had to travel to this show (laughs) like not close we get there, we realize that the person who was supposed to bring a bunch of gear just totally biffed it and didn't bring it. This guy has to hightail it back to town, which is like 45 minutes to an hour away, and then get back in time for the gig and soundtrack and all that stuff. So immediately off to a disastrous start, nobody in this place, they had a little stage, nobody in this, sta- in this place wants to hear us or anything <laughs> we do. We start out with an original and, you know, the, the group of five, you know, 60 year old men that were there quickly leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh we're we going as hard as we can. We're like, we st- we're like, okay, only covers. Fuck it. Let's get this crowd back. Uh, let's do it. We try really hard. And then in our first set break, the owner or whatever of the bar comes up to us, this older lady, and she goes, okay, guys, that was your first set. <laughs> for set number two, which we knew, we knew we were yeah. taking a set break. And I've never had anyone say this to me in a performance. She was like, I'm just going to need a little more from you. <laughs> what, what was she fishing for? I don't know. Like, I guess we weren't bringing it to the extent that the uh, Zip and Zach's filling station reputation promised. Zip and so, Zach's 
fishing mm. filling station sounds like a Nickelodeon cartoon. It, it just sounds like a yes. rat ass. Yeah, but so here's here's the plus side of this. Uh, the, the, she was so consistently rude to us <laughs> that when we were leaving, uh, somehow, and I didn't discover this till after the fact. Uh, the drummer, they had a fog machine in like the equipment closet that this guy just straight up took. <laughs> and then from then on, we had a fog machine because <laughs> this guy had stolen it from Zippin's. No, so I think unfair. the statute of limitations has expired on this. This was, you know, wow. 15 years ago. At this How point. well did the concept uh, but, of yeah. a fog machine fit with what you guys were playing? It Well... Look, it's it's music. You can always use a fog machine. Yeah, you, you that can doesn't buy answer a fog the question. Anything, and it improves yeah. it. A funeral, get a fog machine. Wedding, <laughs> brilliant fog machine. I can't think of any other reason why you wouldn't want to have a fog machine all the time. That's anyway. right. All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. So here, right, well, a couple correct. things to note about this band is: so in this band, I I played keyboards, and uh, and saxophone, and of course, I would rap. Great. Because mm. I love, I I'd love to see that. Can you remember any of the rap? Uh, well, they were all covers, so I did some cool Keith stuff. Okay. Did you do and... uh, turtles? Uh, turtles at power <laughs> from the movie? <laughs> I should, yeah, yeah. Go ninja, go ninja, go. That one. No, yeah. that's the second oh, one. The... the first one by uh, oh, Partners sorry, in Crime. Right. Partners in Crime. Wow. Turtle Power. There Thank you go. You. I knew that. Uh, I think I still do know that one inside and out. Wow. I've been debating. I was just listening to someone talk about this the other day, showing Audrey the first TMNT movie because I think she'd love it. Oh, like, yeah. Right? It's a good movie. I still for think it's the best one they've ever They haven't matched it. I'm not a big Turtles person, but that's still no, the neither. film that's aged the best. Yeah. Um, Layton? I feel like Audrey would have fun or at least would ro- roast it in a funny way, which is all I really care about. If it's a bunch of people making stupid jokes in turtle costumes, I think a seven-year-old's down for that. Yeah. All right. What, what what were you going to say before, Layton? Me? Oh, on the topic of sick. being violently ill. Yeah. yeah, please. For some reason this morning, I was like, let me check on the Amazon reviews for Haribo sugar-free gummy bears. Because, you know, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. we're all aware of the reputation that mm-hmm. those things have. And I'd never yeah. really mm-hmm. done the boots-on-the-ground work of trawling through those reviews what a wonderful time just cackling on my balcony (laughs) it 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 shit jokes um some real wordsmiths over there on amazon.com for haribo sugar must have been like reading a chuck palette novel novel (laughs) (laughs) well no these were actually good and funny so not like (laughs) oh shit snap oh got him i actually i like i like chuck palaniac like okay he's fine um (laughs) He's mostly fine. Hold on. Let me see if I can find any of these that are. It's because the thing is, I've been trying to cut back on my gummy intake just because, you know, I'm at that age now. Where I've just got to think more sensibly. And a full meal is not a bag of Haribo by itself. So I need to really work <laughs> yeah, that's on right. that. You, re- you need to go to the other food groups. There's gummy worms. There's g- mm. Swedish fish. I, I mean, you know, I, yeah, there's, there's sour gummy, apple like, rings. Cola bottles. I think if right. you want to really mix it up, Jolly Ranchers are always the way to go. I, I always associate them with, like, you solved the problem correctly in math class. Here you go, you dumb fuck. Here's a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> right. uh, I think the most succinct uh, review for the Gummy Bears is just, five stars, help me. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's all sorts going on in that statement. 
That's pretty yeah, great. Yeah, five stars. These things are delicious, but they make my ass sound like Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm trying to... Which way does that go? That make you fart? Is that what that's saying? I, I mean, you... maybe the, 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 the texture of the uh, feces uh, <clears throat> probably creates uh-huh. a sound pattern not unlike a warbling walkie ah yes yes okay, got it yeah that makes yeah because for uh-huh. for the onion and un, un, uninitiated at home haribo sugar-free gummy bears i think part of like the thing that they use to replace the sugar is like a big ingredient in laxatives so <laughs> if you eat even like three of them you are going to shake your oh, brains out i, have, I uh, didn't know that so all of the stories are are about like i ate too many of these not knowing that these were sugar-free and I've been on the toilet for 10 hours. <laughs> but the thing is, no one's ever, never not just finished a bag off by themselves. Because, do you know, like when you buy alcohol or there's adverts that says drink responsibly and they put mm-hmm. it on the labels of the beer. So at least the company Budweiser says, well, we told them not to drink them all, but here's right. a 10 pack, mm-hmm. you know, but they still put, you know, that on. It's the same for like bags of candy where they give you a little sticker to fold the flap down and seal the bag. So you can finish them later. I have never used that sticker in my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I get those like uh, pull off the top and then you can reseal it like a Ziploc bag for like yeah. peanut M&M's or Reese's Pieces. It's, yeah. I'm sorry. It's open and it's like a fucking bucket for my gaping <laughs> maw to shovel tiny mm-hmm. candy pieces in. We, we have an expression here in the States, Paul. Once mm-hmm. you pop, you can't stop. Oh, I know all about those salty paraboloids. You guys probably have better flavors of those than we do no, here, I would imagine. This is the f- most fascinating thing. So a year or so on Cheap Show, we did a whole thing about Pringles. Because depending on where you go in the world, you're going to find drastically different flavors based on the culture. Mm-hmm. And so I think what started out as a funny bit became actually torture as I read out to Eli every single Pringles flavor that's ever been made around the world. And it's it's north of 200, easily. What? It's like fish finger flavor, cream pie, butter flavor. You've got crabs, cream fish. Cream pie. Got, yeah, it's, it's like, think of anything right now, and I bet you there's a Pringles. Like, there's a cheesecake they had. There was an egg sandwich flavor. Um, oh, my God. Prawn cocktail or prawn dip. Oh, it... Ah... Uh, you have no idea. You, you've, ne- you've not looked into the abyss. Cinnamon and sugar. I mean, th- this is such a, a cliched thing to talk about, uh, yet I'm going to talk about it anyway, is the, the first time, I think? Well, actually, right before I was going to move over there uh, to, to the UK, uh, I was over there, like, I don't know, doing some scouting around kind of stuff. Hmm. And Walker's was having a flavor competition for their crisps. <laughs> yeah. And including including the f- uh flavors, uh, I believe Gray Squirrel was listed yeah. as one of them, right? And it just it felt like I was like obviously these are not squirrel flavor. These are, you know, it felt very calculated. Mm. But um they did have one which was Builder's Breakfast, which was okay. supposed to be like you know, eggs, beans, toast, sausage kind probably. of stuff. Yeah, sausage. Yeah. And the, so I try. I bought one of each flavor because I was like, why the fuck not? You know, you're living um, in this country, when in Rome. Exactly. I get it. And the odor from the builder's breakfast crisps <laughs> was, to this day, yeah. one of the most stomach-turning <laughs> things I've ever smelled. I, I mean, imagine right. opening up, it's like stale eggs. 
Yeah. And a bag, and it just assaults your nostrils with, oh, it was so upsetting. See, but I, I've had, like, Asian-flavored, like, egg-flavored chips, and those are really fucking good. It's yeah, almost sure like can be. egg yolk flavor. It's amazing. It's like the l- latest yeah. craze. I say craze, that's not true. But, like, the latest kind of thing is, like, Takis are suddenly becoming popular in the UK. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Huge over here. Huge. I don't trust yeah. food that looks like uh, uh, nuclear warning signs. It's like food should not be the color that they are. And my co-host Eli um, said the most traumatic thing he ever did was when he ate a whole bag of blue tackies by himself. And they he make said, blue? Yeah. They had, like what a flavor of, of the blue? Oh, it was some kind of bullshit. You know, like it's called like it was like zombie bite flavor. So whatever the fuck that okay. is, um, yeah. But it was blue, and he said he, it was delicious, and he ate the whole bag. And he said the next day, he said his shit looked like play doh. He said it looked like something. <laughs> you know, it was, and he and he goes, and it was just. He said he was traumatized by the the color of it because it was so alien for him to see. And I was like, yeah, that food shouldn't do that to your body. I I will say though, I love takis. I think they're they are nice. Those, they're really the, the chili lime fuego yeah. ones or whatever that flavor is. Fucking great. Probably I mean, my we're favorite gifted chip. On, on our podcast because we have people, we have a P.O. box. So people send us stuff from around the world. Oh, so right. So we have got some crazy stuff sent to us, some crazy flavors from around the world. Um, like, you oh, have to give examples. Right? Yeah, oh, what's God. This is where I fall down now because it all, it all blurs into one at some point. But like, one thing we did get recently is Nissan, who make cup noodles. The original mm-hmm. cup noodle brand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they mm-hmm. had a fiftieth anniversary, and so some of our uh, supporters got together and bought a limited edition fiftieth anniversary box of Nissan. And what was fascinating about it is that it came with five of the like the most famous brands and one new flavor, but it also came with five bottles of soda flavored after those cup noodle flavors. <gasps> so there was a seafood flavored. Noodle. There was a oh, ramen. Oh my god! There was a. Uh, and he said Bukaki. Then no, that's not the word I'm looking for. Tonkatsu <laughs> is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> They're basically the same. Basically, basically the same. Yes. So yeah. we tested them, and it was such a bizarre experience because they use a base flavor for the drink. So like, I think they had. Um, there was some kind of uh, katsu curry flavored fizzy drink, mm-hmm. but when you drink it, the first wave is like ginger ale. And then the kind of back end is the katsu flavoring. And then there was a beef one, or was it the tonkotsu, which like basically was like cola up front, but then pork at the back. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't have the seafood one because I'm allergic to seafood, but my mate Eli did. And you pour it out, and I'm just going to be honest, it genuinely looked like sperm. And he necked it, and he went, it was bizarre. It was like drinking crab sticks. (laughs) <laughs> wow so we get stuff wait, like that was this a thing they, this was just made in conjunction with the 50th anniversary this is not a product that was no, ever on it was sale. a complete gimmick they uh only yeah. sold it in japan so one of our listeners who lives in japan japan managed to get hold of a set a couple oh, of people awesome. chipped in they all sent it to us in a box and we built a whole episode around it because why not <laughs> that's what content's all about when you make yeah. 300 oh, yeah. bloody episodes you will drink anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fantastic oh. yeah i feel like we're we're almost approaching that point where on one of our patreon minis- minisodes the other day we're talking about um a perfume that's supposed to smell like blood and cum that i'm gonna try to acquire a sample of 
that's yep. bizarre because it, there are so many questions. What do they smell mm. like? How do you synthesize that? Who gives them the thumbs up? Who's the common blood expert in the perfume department <laughs> who goes, yeah, yeah, that's how I remember it. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy because it's like all all of us have such a large supply of both of those things. Basically, you know, mm. it's accessible or, at any time. Can, or just... can get them easily. Yeah. Yes. You would not believe how. Easy... <laughs> I'm just <gonna> stop <laughs> no. Say it. Say it. Say it. No, <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Your search engine must look like a serial killer's search engine. <laughs> well, as it turns out, people say that that perfume just smells like a crime scene. Um, oh. Which doesn't that yeah. just make you want to smell it? Like that's an incredible marketing campaign. Like it really, yeah. Mm, it it smells like CSI a dead to body. sponsor it or something. That's a great Ooh. idea. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Mind Hunter, the perfume. Yeah. <laughs> I read a fragrance review where somebody said that they like dressed as a skunk for Halloween and then just got a sample of that and slathered themselves oh, in God. it. Bold move. I remember as a kid. Um, my brother was into He-Man action figures. Most mm, kids were, same. but he was. I was. And he had a skunk action He-Man figure that had a scent to it. And oh, on yeah. the box, it said, don't inhale directly. Because apparently it was so strong <laughs> that you could, you know, get a kid to fritz out from sniffing it. Oh and God. I remember it. Someone said, I mean, I don't know what the relationship was. Someone said it basically smelled like patchouli oil. But I, I don't, I, I mm. couldn't tell you. I, the one I remember from He-Man that was scented was Moss Man. And I remember on the figure, it had one of those, you know, stars with text in it. It says, smells like real moss. Wow. <laughs> what a selling point. Very, I know, right? What, what every eight-year-old wants is the scent of real live moss. That was the, uh, because that was the thing with toys in that era. Is like once you've made the initial builds and you've got to keep on selling these action figures, what do you do? And like that's why you get things like strawberry shortcake, where it's like the gimmick is these small immovable objects smell of strawberries or something. Yes, or something. Do they still make scented markers for children? Yeah. Doesn't Audrey have some? Are they scented? I don't think they're scented. I don't think she has any scented. Oh. I swear one of the times I was at Maybe. your house, I was like, she's talking about how good the markers smell. And I just, I feel like, Making scented markers is really just flirting with danger because it's like, hey, kids, <laughs> yeah. what if inhalants yeah. like smelled like cotton candy? Check it out. Give it a shot. Well, I remember they, they had those like, I don't I assume they still make these in some capacity. The kind of markers that you would only find in your art classroom, which were like, like huffing paint kind of markers, yeah. like the big, good thick caps, you know, oh, like real, yeah, real like... thick markers. They were like silver. I remember they were like the silver handled. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. What these days, I think what we call is... it the Sharpie effect. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh. But like, I, I remember like Crayola had like felt tip pens that smelt of like yes. apple and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Big I, can, I can like, I have that scent, that artificial marker, yep. <clears throat> sort of like alcohol yes. scent. Then, like, you run out of natural flavors and then it becomes, oh, this crayon smells like bacon. Hey, this one smells like pickles. It's like uh, what else bacon do you and want pickles them to really, like? really are the bizarre scent shorthand. It's like you go through the normal ones, and they're like, I don't know, bacon pickles. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need something new. Uh, what about Carolina Reaper chili? Let's have uh, <laughs> scented markers yeah. like that. 
Ghost Pepper. This uh, has un- unlocked a memory for me. Um, in the 90s and early 2000s, there were infomercials for special markers called blow pens. Oh, was that which... when you got like a kind of like spray paint effect by blowing through the back of them through the... Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. remember this. I didn't remember them being called blow pens, but I definitely had some. I mean, throw uh, an eye in there, and you're in blow penis land. <laughs> yeah. Well, similar results do happen when yeah. you blow one. <laughs> I blow pens. Yeah, well, yeah. That's how I learned all the tricks of the trade. Yeah. <laughs> they they really were like, why did we do that? Kids don't need to blow on a marker. Why would we do no. this? But no, but I will say it, it's smart because what does a kid do? They put every fucking pen and pencil in their mouth right away. Right, like Audrey spends ninety percent of her time chewing on pencils or pens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delicious, they really are. Yeah, no, they're they're and nutritious. Yeah, maybe we should we should probably feed her. Uh, I was... think we should move on to. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> uh, what were you gonna say, Paul? No, there I was, was gonna say we're doing something for one of the channels I work on, and like failed Kickstarters, and one of them. Oh yeah, was edible That's crayons. And I was thinking, just the very idea of that. Because, you know, like, Play-Doh is edible. If your kid eats Play-Doh, it might not be a great yeah. time, but it's relatively right. It's non-toxic. Safe. Yeah. Right. So they had, like, crayons like that. So you could draw with these big, you know, wax crayons and then just eat them. And they would taste like the thing they were shaded off. And I was thinking, that's an appalling idea. I'm glad it didn't happen. Because like, your kids should not be hooked on crayons in terms of play <laughs> Well, They should be hooked all- on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Monkey phonics. It's it's all about precedent. Like we we were we went to one of these new, I don't know if you guys have these, Paul. One of these Amazon stores where you just yeah. take stuff and you don't pay. So uh, we went to one of those the other day with Audrey, and we were like, okay, just so you know, this is not how other stores work, mm. right? Like this <laughs> Wait, is not suddenly. <laughs> Wait, what kind of store is this? It's an Amazon store. It was it was a Whole Foods, uh, but they have these for Amazon too, uh, like Amazon Fresh. So you take your phone, which has an Amazon or whatever account, you scan it when you walk in, and then you don't. You just take a bunch of stuff, you put it in your bag right away, and then you scan your phone when you walk out, and you just walk out. And at no point does anyone take each individual product and check and like scan it so you pay for it. It yeah. just automatically goes to your Amazon account through some kind of dark art. Creepy. Yeah. They have yeah, it's very creepy, but mm-hmm. it is also very convenient, which is always the trade off. Um, yeah. So we went there and we were like, you know, we tried, tried it. I was like, I'll take the thing off the shelf and I'll just walk out. And sure enough, an hour later, I get a receipt that says you took an orange juice or whatever. Uh, and we had to explain to Audrey, do not extrapolate this <laughs> to other stores because that's not this is not suddenly how all stores work. <laughs> so my concern about the crayons is that some kids like, hell, yeah, you know, shit's edible now. Yeah. Let's eat some pens. You know, <laughs> yeah, we'll eat all the pens. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll Listen, sh- if... <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Oh, sorry. No, I had nothing. I'll be honest. I had nothing. I'm glad you interrupted. <laughs> well, I was going to say, kids, let's move on to kids... segments. I think it's a good time to move on to segments, unless you want to say I, something. I, I right have an now. entertaining anecdote. Oh, I would, rather, I would rather hear that. But now I feel like the fact that I had to say that I have an entertaining anecdote is going to make it... it no, whatever. It. So... Kids will will eat anything. As a child, me and my friends, our favorite thing to do was to basically trick ourselves into drinking soap. Um, right. Because 
we would get <laughs> we would get flavored bottled waters or whatever else and then realize that if there's a little bit of soap in whatever you're drinking you can blow bubbles with it so <laughs> oh, yeah. us running around like mouths full of soap attempting to blow bubble like i don't know why we thought that was a good idea but it was like a delicacy a TikTok. oh <laughs> you were ahead doing of the it curve. for the talk yeah that's, that's true right. all right segments um, segments i've actually you know what here i'm gonna try something new Layton, on this segment. Why are you addressing do me? Do you, well, do you want to introduce the What's Poppin' segment? We've had Paul as a repeat guest. Yeah. And a valued mm. client and friend. Mm -hmm. um, but content-wise, I'm spent. <laughs> that's right. Now he has nothing else to say. <laughs> I have nothing. Uh, uh, normally, I would introduce the What's Poppin' segment uh -huh. here, but I'm curious if you'd like to give it a crack this week. Sure. Why does it sound like it's a catch involved or a trick or a trap? There's no, there's no, 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 no. Okay, sorry. <laughs> just, to be, just to be very, very clear, uh, there's, no, there's no catch. Okay. There, there's nothing sinister mm -hmm. going on here. Layton, this is not something Layton expected, but in the, you know, w w what is, uh, when, when you know this well, Paul, when you co-host with someone, you should uh, set them up for success, right? You, you that's so right, yourself, Brian, and that's exactly and what you shut just up, did. Shut up! 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 You set them up for success, and you let them. You share a little bit of yourself with them, hmm. and you let them share uh, a little bit of themselves with you, right? It's a it's a kind of magical symbiosis that that good go hosts like Layton and speaking and I, of like that symbiosis shut, no no really shut, just shut up Layton, just shut up for a second please <laughs> let me finish this um uh that two co-hosts share so what i've tried to do with this bit is i've tried to kind of spread the the introduction of the segment which normally i would do all by myself uh tried to spread it out a little to give Layton, whose voice is is Layton is a valued member of the Layton night team thank you and, and as a valued I member do, of the no, Layton, Layton night I swear team to I'm fucking a little God, upset let me finish let me finish let me finish you let as me finish. a man are speaking over me let a woman and you're you very on the left me. you're so you interrupted woke. No, no, no. you are you so about being woke and meanwhile i'm a woman i'm a girl boss i'm speaking my truth and this man is talking over I am not interested in being. Oh, you're interrupted not interested in women's rights. You're not. No, I am very interested. I am a vocal donor to the Center I'm a for woman Reproductive and I have Rights. A right to and tell you, you to know shut that. the fuck I've up, you Brian Wex. I don't deny that you have that right, but I don't appreciate being interrupted. <laughs> least of all in my own show. So all I'm asking you on your own is show, just, whose name comes shut, first on the show, Brian? Up. Yeah, whose full whose name, name is comes in the show? First on whose the full show? name? It could be Layton anybody, but it's Brian Wex. So just wait a minute. Yeah, because it's a Madonna type situation. Let where me, my last name does finish. not even need to be ne in the equation listen, because everybody knows it is Layton I persisted. <laughs> I, I refused to be interrupted by a friend and co-host. So just let me finish this before I throw to you. Layton, would you care to introduce the What's Poppin' segment? No, go fuck yourself. Okay, great. So, Paul, this is our pop culture so, look, recommendation. Am I going to have to get involved with HR now? Is this going to be an Sorry. issue where I have to be a witness and sign shit? Because I didn't fucking expect this. I don't want to walk into someone else's tribunal. I think that's the most... Are, are, are we both going off of the energy of having discussed how people don't like it when people fight? Because that's the first time we've really, like, actually done a real yelling at each other type of thing, and it was really Holy fun. Shit. 
My I think podcast it was really is, fun. My <laughs> podcast is nothing but that every week. I'm not even exaggerating. What you did in five minutes is my weekly hour-long content. <laughs> your your book reading reaction was so pitch perfect to the point that like folks if you're not on the patreon and you're just listening to the audio version there's like a whole additional element yeah to, this. to be fair i did just... genuinely tap out mentally so i just thought i'd grab a book no that's good, good. no uh, we encourage all listeners <laughs> to do that so, so tap out mentally that's by yeah. the time we hit you know the intro it's yeah, that's yeah. your signal to yeah. turn i thought off. we did long cold opens but when you half an hour in go we should get this started i was like whoa i'm oh, messing with the well, big boys now you're lucky we remembered to introduce the show, which is something we frequently <laughs> forget until after yeah. the fact. And then we're like, oh, shit. Uh, anyway, this is our pop culture recommendation segment. You get to recommend a book, a movie, a video game, whatever it is that you've been enjoying recently. It's called What's Poppin'? And the theme song goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Great. We always put that in in post, uh, as I like to inform our guests. Mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. want it noted, of course, that Layton refused to introduce that segment. Anyway, Paul. Yes. What's popping? So, you know what? I'm going to slightly shine a light on myself, but not really, but shine a light do on it. it. So, um, a couple of friends of mine, uh, Claire and Anthony Bueno, and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but it definitely wasn't released when we last spoke, did a documentary about the history and the making of Ghostbusters. And it was called Cleaning Up the Town. And it's this really long documentary about the history of making that That's film. a great name for it. Yeah, and they're making part two based on Ghostbusters 2, uh, which will be called Too Hot to Handle. And they're in the last stages of I was going to ask. Yeah. That's what you call it. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Layton, wait, hold on. We have to ask Layton. Do you understand cleaning up the town and Too Hot to Handle in the context of Ghostbusters? I fully understand Too Hot to Handle within the context of Ghostbusters because that's what my fucking mouse pad says. Oh. <gasps> But there is it, it is. too cold to hold? See, that's the actual question. No, okay. What 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 are you guys talking about? It's just, I, it's important to me. I've had this <laughs> mouse pad. I got it a yard sale for a dollar forever, and I have not ever before had an opportunity to whip it out in this context. They, but please, uh, yeah, there are songs that play in the movies, uh, or lyrics of songs that play mm. in the movies. I should say. So uh, I can't remember who did the cleaning up the town one, but it's the too the hot to handle boys. is Bobby Bobby Brown, right? Is oh, on our handle. own is Bobby Brown, but in the original yeah. film, it's the Bus Boys that do the song "Cleaning Up the Town." Cleaning up the town. I, it's I, like that's a, what got me into big band music. Yeah. That song because that was one of the first yeah. albums I ever bought, wow. and that song was wow. like, oh, I like big band and piano and horns and stuff. Yeah. That's excellent. That's the. It's the. It's the. We got one. When Acto One is. Yeah, when it comes through the firehouse for the first time, and then goes to the Sedgwick, which I didn't. When I went to LA a few years ago, where I actually probably last saw you, I went finally into the inside of that hotel in downtown LA, which is the interior for the Sedgwick Hotel in Ghostbusters, and that was very exciting. Although I felt sorry for the staff there because there was like 40 <laughs> people walking through in Ghostbusters uniforms on that day. And I don't think they were prepped. Yeah. Sorry, but continue with your, uh, your recommendation. Oh, so it, it, it's yeah, yeah. basically, it's been released since I, w uh, since, um, I think we last spoke. And you can get it on Blu-ray, and I think it's on all the kind of usual streaming platforms. But if you want to know about the making of Ghostbusters, and frankly, you know, there's so much stuff to know that they couldn't get it all in. Um, it's a really great documentary. And Anthony and Claire worked on it for like, I want to say like 10 years, maybe 12. Oh my God. It's like a really long process. Oh, and no. at the very, very end, this is where I come in. Uh, I do a song over the closing uh, 
uh, titles of the documentary uh, because Sigourney Weaver wrote a song, uh, wrote a poem for the rap party of the 84 film. Yeah. And I set it to music and I sang it and it got remixed and I they used it at the this. end title yeah. sequence. So that's quite nice. But it's a great documentary. And, you know, I'm all about Ghostbusters me. So what? <laughs> that's great. A lot. I didn't. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. That's uh, super yeah. fun. It's, it's a great doc. It's beautifully made. They put a lot of love and effort into it. And there's also last interviews with Howard Ramos before he passed on and things like that. So it, right. there's a lot of stuff in there that is kind of touching since Ivan's passed on as well. So. Uh, right. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Ghostbusters 2 because, frankly, I'm a Ghostbusters nerd who knows a lot about Ghostbusters. But Ghostbusters 2 is always the much more fascinating story, I find. The making of that mm -hmm. is particularly interesting. Yeah. What, what, uh, why? Yeah. Be because, so this is just from what I've heard from talking to Anthony and Claire why they've been making these documentaries. But they basically infer that everyone they spoke to creatively said if they had been given six more months to make that film, it would be very different. In terms hmm. of like set pieces, uh, plot points, um, things that were cut out. There's so much cut out of that film. Like um, Ray being possessed by Vigo at the end has a scene middle of the film where he tries to drive Ecto-1 into a tree through Central Park, killing everyone. And that scene's cut out. And there's loads of scenes with Lewis Tully um, trying to catch Slimer. And all that was cut out. And also the endings were a bit different. And, uh, you know, there was, there was lots of plot differences. And I think everyone basically goes, uh, if we just had a little bit more time, we didn't rush it out it would have been different. So huh. there's lots That's to explore, I think, as a result. Do you know, I have to look up the name of this, I'm doing it right now, an article entitled The Hateful Life and Spiteful Death of the Man Who Was Vigo? Yes. The Carpathian? So yeah. that is uh, uh, my friend and past guest on the podcast, Sean Revive, who wrote oh, that article. Because that's a great uh, article. It's a great you article. You guys should be friends. Yeah. <laughs> I should have friends. Just full stop. <laughs> After that, I'm not picky. Um, but yeah, that's a great story because he is a bastard. He, you know, tough life and stuff. But he was also the terrorist in um, Die Hard. He's one of the terrorists in Die Hard. Right. And he right. was also in In the Mouth of Madness. But he's dubbed in. Well, that. Who like is he, he in? In the Mouth in of Madness. Madness. He's the he's he's the kind of yokel who goes Tommy Boy. Uh, it's hard to kind of point out. Cause it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember he says Tommy Boy. Or something, mm -hmm. Johnny Boy. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh, he's one of the lower grunts in Die Hard, and obviously he's Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2, voiced though by Max von Sydow. Is that how you say his name? Um, uh, Sydow, I've always said, Sydow. but I don't know. I don't but know anyway, he right, does yeah. the voice of Vigo. Uh, the actor didn't like hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> Layden, what's popping? What's popping for me is uh, a book called The Shallows What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. And I didn't write down who wrote it uh proving because you got point. distracted yeah <laughs> yeah by nicholas g carr um i'm not super far into it but it's been really great so far in terms of just really preaching to the choir on like yes using the internet has completely changed the way that our brains work mm. um so that's really fun it's a partial pop-in because my other what's pop-in is an excuse to talk to brian about a specific thing mm. which mm -hmm. is what's also pop-in for me is uh -oh. the double threat John Kassir saga. This is so important to me. Oh. Um, <laughs> it is the best. Paul, do you know what double threat is? Is it a film? No, late No, is it a sex this act? Is your, this is your what's popping, so why don't you Go for it, hit me. Oh, this is my turn? Um, yeah. Double threat is a podcast Sorry, I that I try to Brian be very talks... respectful of your voice, and whenever you have something to say, far be it for me to interrupt you. So yes, I, I, I cede the floor. It is your turn to speak. 
just get my book. Double Threat is a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Double Threat is a podcast that Brian brings up like every single week on the show, hosted by Mm -hmm. Tom Sharpling and Julie Klausner, both very funny people. Um, And so they did this one episode called Waiting for Kassir, where they booked John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, to come onto the show for them to Ooh, interview yeah, him. Yeah, and, they're, yeah. and they're super excited to talk to him. And in real time, you hear them get ghosted by John Kassir. And so the <laughs> mood goes from excited and nervous to like really nervous and then down to like the anger. Like you go through wow. all all phases and then they just start going in on like they're like yeah he's a piece of shit he probably watches people in like women's women's locker rooms and they're all just doing like hysterical crypt keeper impressions oh wow and you know it's not a bit as far as anyone knows he just he just ghosts it was not scheduled so they 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 thought he was going to show up and they just kept things rolling Mm -hmm. uh as the episode went on yeah it's not a bit that he didn't show up that's the episode that got me into Double Threat. And, you know, that, that opens a wide range of other things to listen to because there's a lot of great episodes. But recently they had their 100th episode where they happened to book John Kassir, uh <laughs> for real this time. And I don't want to blow up their spot too hard, but the interview... No, do it. Do it. <laughs> the interview is on the public feed. And so the 100th episode that is on, you know, that's available without getting like a Forever Dog subscription is just the interview with John Kassir. But that live stream was three hours. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah. John Kassir is just the fucking worst. And it's like one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever oh listened to. Oh, my God. To. But what, is he known for that? Yeah, Brian, like... jump in. Uh, yeah, so, no, he, I mean, I don't think, the the thing he's known for is the voice of the Crypt Keeper. I don't think he's known for being a tool. Mm. He's just, he comes across, Layton, disagree with this, if you will, as <laughs> an older, he's probably in his 60s or something, so he's not, like, old, but he's older. Mm. Uh, he thinks a lot of himself, and he is just not cool. Wow. He just, yeah. like. I- imagine, like, the this, this stereotype of total blowhard only mm. known for this one role 30 years ago who is constantly referencing it and then also he's like mean to the hosts and yes. will monologue like they ask him what his favorite pizza is and this is after like a whole interview of him just being a douche <laughs> and they ask him like they're trying to give him a real softball <laughs> like john what's your favorite pizza and he goes on like well i've been i've been to italy many many times that's and, how he starts you know my family <laughs> yeah, my, my, my absolute Layton, did you hear the this week's episode of Double Threat? Did you listen to the, it? I, I listened to most of it, at least for them to start okay. talking about it. Well, did you hear the part? This was my favorite thing is Tom Sharpling said during the interview he was playing a game with himself <laughs> where he was seeing how many times he could just quiet while Kassir was talking, how many times he could just quietly go, mm-hmm. 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 And like really mm-hmm. inappropriately timed in the meter of John's <laughs> speech too, so it's like super right. obvious that he's doing it, it's... and then finally just goes, "That's so cool." <laughs> That's so, just, funny. It's so weird though when you see yeah. people go through the rigmarole turning up to an interview, and they're not engaging. It's like, what? Where's the malfunction there? Because it's like, why just why just say just say no? And and also everyone's like in on the bit of like everyone on 
the call because like they have their producer mm. uh and there's also a live chat that i guess john can't see and so he <laughs> see the producer brett like trying so hard to keep it together because he's reading the chat who are just like eviscerating him. destroying him wow it's yeah it's it's like i mean at some point they're trying to like move things along and ask him questions and at some point very early in the interview and this is exactly where it took a turn for me, which is like maybe five minutes in. He's like, well, look, if you didn't interrupt me, I'd be able to answer your questions. And it's yeah. like, wow. Oh, shit. And because then, he's monologuing. Oh. They're asking him like really specific questions. And he just goes into like these rants about people Name he's worked dropping. with. Like, you but, know, he'll say things like, but, well, of course, Jerry was on the set. And you're like, who the fuck is Jerry? Wow. You know, oh my God. but I guess if you but, spend I mean, a career I mean, t- using your voice, you may get to like the sound of it eventually. Maybe too much. Well, because he keeps doing it, he uses the crypt keeper voice to dunk on people, and then is like, "No, I'm just kidding." <laughs> Does oh, the no. stupid little laugh, and like he keeps saying that Julie, like he repeatedly triples down on Julie looking like Chucky, but is like weird <laughs> and neggy about it. Which she does not. She just has red hair. That she just has red hair. Um, anyway, it's, so the, the live stream is really worth it because I listen. It, it, get your Forever Dog Plus thing because the yeah, moment he's off the call, <laughs> they just go <laughs> in and it's so fucking funny. Do you want to say what Tom says or just let people experience it? <laughs> uh, I'll say, I don't know if people are going to go experience it, but I implore you, even before, it's because so... to the context, I didn't think they were ever going to get John Kassir on the show. And I love the Waiting for Kassir episode. And despite not having listened to much of Double Threat, I've listened to that episode over and over because uh, it's so funny. And having this end cap of he fucking sucks is the funniest possible conclusion it's so anyway it's probably the best conclusion they could have asked for for that because yes. anything else would have been probably anticlimactic yes yeah it is but john <laughs> yeah. leaves and julie's like is it just the four of us on the call and tom just goes <laughs> i'm going to kill myself <laughs> <laughs> but then don't you worry then that like the, that the guy's pr agent or whatever's going to listen to that episode back and say did you hear the shit they said is it just going to escalate know what? from there uh, if see this is the thing about yeah look if i were if the situation reflected and i were in their shoes hmm. yes i would 100 percent worry about that what i love about their show is they don't give a single fuck Great. yeah and they they're really just gonna say care. and they're not unfair either they're not like hmm. ragging on the guy unfairly they're they have, they talking have, about yeah, a good the various the very obvious palpable uncool yeah. stuff he did it's it's awesome. It's so funny. Yeah. Those, it's great. That's why you should never meet your heroes, just in general. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah, think that two, that's... Oh, I love them. Listening, so folks at home, listen to the public feed waiting for Kassir, then listen to the interview because it cuts right after the interview. <laughs> and you just... You, you will... And that if, if anything would sell you on giving them money to hear their content, that should do it. Because <laughs> you, yeah. you get to the end and you're just like, I desperately need to hear what they said after this ended. Because holy I, shit. I, I signed up for the Forever Dog subscription just for this. And it was fucking worth it. It's so good. A plus. Oh. Uh, so what's popping yeah. this week? The Shallows, whatever. Who cares about books? Listen to Double Threat. And it's me saying yeah. it this time instead of Brian, which is why you should listen to it. Anyway, we just spent like 10 minutes rehashing another podcast. Yeah. So Again. The content I do on a regular basis, this is just fine. I'm totally warm water here. It is so great, Layton, to... It's that feeling where I recommended something to to a close friend, something I deeply love, 
and you're like, this is awesome. And usually, you know, usually you recommend something to a friend and they're like, they either don't watch it or whatever experience at all. Or they're like, yeah, it was fine. It is so nice to have something where you're like, this rules. And, oh, and I'm not saying that, you know, we diverge much on taste, but it's just rare to be so on the same page about exactly the same yeah. thing. Especially like uh, a very specific kind of yes. niche thing. hundred oh, yeah. yeah. percent. Because I feel yeah. like that when I bump into anyone who likes on cinema, I'm like, what, really? Yeah. For truth? Same. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, on cinema is one of those yes. things where like, it's such an immediate like okay i your our senses of humor are probably mm. if you're willing to sit through this and also find it just ridiculously funny then it's like okay mm. we'll yeah we'll vibe that's exactly right brian what's yes. popping well i'm gonna maybe maybe this is even gonna be more specific than uh than the double threat thing are you gonna name an element is that going to be what happens? <laughs> yes. You name an element. Yeah, yeah. What's popping for me is uh, Euterbium. Uh, <laughs> I like this feature. The, Do it more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you anything about it. Uh, what's popping for me is there is a specific Sammy Davis Jr. performance of the song What Kind of Fool Am I, mm. uh, which is a, from a, a musical in the 60s. But he has, I was looking this up because Audrey and I have been, I've been playing this song on the piano while she sings it. Uh, we've been bonding over, you know, singing songs together. And I looked up, I know it was a big hit for, for Sammy Davis Jr. And I looked up, you know, on YouTube to see videos. And there's a performance of him from Hamburg in 1969 where he crushes this song so hard and in such an just beautiful way. I was like, I watched this video like six times in a row. Uh, it's a real like cheesy Broadway classic, and I just could not love it more. He's that guy's voice is just incredible. I mean, he is a, a true mega talent, and I think in many ways, you know, he wasn't. He's not Sinatra or Dean Martin or whatever. Like these guys that uh, kind of got the, the I think the bigger name and more respect. Uh, I mean, I wonder why that could be, mm. but whatever. Uh, like uh, in the Rat Pack, he is, I think, the true talent of that whole group. And I I hope he has some kind of, uh, he's not alive anymore, has been for a long time, but just, I, I wish people would appreciate him more because he is so good at what he does. And this, this specific performance just like blew me away. It's with a full orchestra. It starts yeah. out half the song is just uh, just voicing guitar. And then the the orchestra comes in. I love it so much. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes so people can experience it. There are just some but, voices from that period that are just like a warm bath, like his. And like I yes, think the obvious yes. example might be like Nat King Cole, who I oh, I don't I know a, a voice Cole, yeah. more pure and beautiful and warm than his. Yeah, that makes you feel like a hug every time he sings. I don't want him to yep. be my daddy. You know, it's that kind of voice. Yeah. Nat King Cole, he, yeah, no, he, he's, Nat King Cole is one of my all-time favorites. He mm. has this, uh, I mean, Nature Boy is great, uh, but he has this song, I've never seen anyone talk about it, called Mr. Cole Won't Rock and Roll, which I believe is from the 50s, which is his reaction to rock and roll oh, and right. how stupid the lyrics are and how much he hates it. <laughs> and oh, it's cool. really fun. And he kind of parodies, uh, like... 
50s 60s rock and roll songs oh nice uh you know in that classic like they don't make them you know they're not making music like they used to kind of thing uh but just hearing like this you know that can call like the super jazz talent mm. totally shit on rock and roll <laughs> in a funny yeah. good nature way is is just it's great i'll so, have to check yeah. that out I, that's yeah. evaded me that one so good thank Mr. you cole won't rock and roll yeah all right that's what's pop hell yeah Layton, what's next uh, what's next is <laughs> Peaches and Lemons, a segment, yes. the one that I introduce, where we each say one mild bummer, annoyance, whatever else, that's a lemon, and we say three good things that are cool, fun, exciting, whatever. Those are Peaches. There's three of them. Theme song, here. Peaches and Lemons. Magic, episode 110. Yeah. I've just really Boom. worked that down to the most succinct. Dialed it in perfect description of a sec anyway Snappy. so um thank That's what you i tried to do too mm -hmm. uh-huh my lemon is that you know i've been Sounded i've gotten but... i've gotten much more into <laughs> building keyboards again uh i i kind of had a, a little time off and then i came back and i was like you know i just finished like one that i was really happy with i should go back to one of my earlier builds that i fucked up and see if i can't fix that Smash Cut, to me, outside of my apartment with a knife and a soldering iron trying to pry <laughs> a Pro Micro off of a board. Um, it's not even worth explaining why this was a problem or whatever. But kids at home, if you're ever making keyboards, remember, socket your Pro Micros. This is very important. I was like, I don't need to do that. Saving diode legs. <laughs> and then your Pro Micro breaks. And it's like, yeah, how are you going to get that off, you bitch? You should have planned for this. So... They should That's have put that limit. logo at the beginning of all arcade cabinet games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, save save those diode legs. Save yourself some trouble. Always test your Pro Micro before you solder it to a board. It's that easy. All right. Anyway, that's my lemon. Cool. Lemons? I'm a really positive guy, so I don't really know. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's You know what it is? It's like if I have a little lemon, it's the fact that I think I got locked down comfortable and I liked my hermit-style existence for a while. Um, and so going back out into the world becomes a bit of a pain in the arse because I don't think before the lockdown I was a huge fan of human beings. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to ingratiate myself. So I'm Because I'm now back at like uh, my other producing job, it means that I'm going out into the world again. And so that's my lemon. I'm just a bit grumpy about having to use public transport and, you know, people yeah. and things and elements. <laughs> so that's and it elements. in a nutshell. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good yeah. one. Brian. Uh, my lemon is uh, the fucking housing market in LA. We are, and everywhere, we're looking at maybe trying to get a, a a bigger place and holy fuck it is just mm -hmm. it's just it's awful grim. and depressing and how can people afford this i just i don't i, I think don't the same about it. london Where? as well to be fair it's like how, no, how do anyone how can anyone own anything anymore <laughs> and like how is the whole thing not fucking imploded? It's crazy. I just don't get it. I I don't see how it is sustainable in any way. And people are just, you know, every place you're like, oh, that place seems nice. Oh, it went for all cash, five hundred thousand dollars over asking. 
You're wow. like, and the what? asking was already How? fucking insane. And the asking yeah. was already stupid. And you're just like, who is buying these? It's so, oh. yeah. So when we talked to our realtor that we bought this place from, uh, she was like, here's the deal. It's going to take you six months because nothing's going to work out. So wow. luckily, we're, it, this is just like, we're just kind of looking, but oh my God, it's, you know, I'm having like, have, it, it makes me very anxious just to be dealing with it. Yes, please. Getting a mobile home and just going out onto the road and living like the near dog vampires and just doing that life for a while, you know? Yes. Just, oh, just, well, that's why I go on tour, Paul. Yeah, true. So, true, true, yes. true. Yeah, that's as close as I'm Just have a house you can park anywhere <clears throat> and have a different sunset every night. Yep, and it's full of musicians. Mm. So, anyway, that, that's my limit. It, it's, you know, luckily we're in no rush to do anything, and if we don't get another place, it's fucking fine, but... Mm. But it's a long game, isn't it? It's not something you can impulsively do anymore, even if anyone ever did. But yeah. <laughs> That's right. It, it also makes me feel like an asshole to be like, I'm going to wait and I really hope the market crashes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make me feel like a good person. But no. Whatever. No, but it is pretty works. fucking unsustainable in this particular mm. area as somebody Everywhere who, looks, now. Every... who looks at homes and is like, wouldn't that be cool when I'm... 89 and i mean none of us are living that long uh (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna get through this week frankly so (laughs) yeah well then to talk to people in like you know our relatives in minnesota they're like yeah you know i i I own a a seven bedroom house on a lake and i paid like it was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars for it just like you know i get it but also anyway okay i'm i'm done yeah peaches I'll I'll blaze through mine since yeah. some already mentioned. Uh, boom, corn done. Working OLEDs not quite, but I'm getting there. Um, nice, folks at home. I finished this fucking keyboard. I've got some some things to work out, but it's very exciting. It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and solder. So, got them. Peach number two. I've just been eating a lot of scrambled eggs lately. It's great. <laughs> you, you, They're you, good. You tear, you tear up a craft single, that's my move because in terms of you gotta have cheese on the scrambled egg, but in terms no, of disagree. stuff that is going to melt at the same temperature mm. and speed of an egg cooking, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can beat it because it's eggs, so you you kind of have to. Kind yeah. have to beat it. Box checked. <laughs> Done. And then my third one is the wonderful, wonderful world of the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven modding community, because. I've said too much about that game on this podcast, but I'll just say that installing mods enabled me to put like another 80 hours in this game. So, mwah. wow. Check it out. 80 hours of the game is just, it's scary to me oh, that weird. It's amazing, right? Because I had a friend who like got really into Guitar Hero. Uh, after a few months, he could shred that Guitar Hero and play any level of whatever. And I was thinking, but what of a real guitar? What if a real needs to learn in that time and get really yes. good? Because a more transferable skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just go. Yeah. It's not going to work. Well, except the irony or, or the amazing thing in you know 2022 or or whatever is you totally could be a guitar hero performer and people would fucking show up for it. Yeah. And that's a you yeah. know like there is a I'm sure there is a subgenre of YouTubers, TikTokers, whatever, digital creators who are like professional guitar heroes. Yeah. And 
and do that. So effectively, it's like professional Milli Vanillis, I guess. Yes, that's right. A lot of people being excellent at other people's work. (laughs) Do you know who Milli Vanilli is, Layden? Do you know what that's a reference to? I forget. Can we not do this? References. To be fair, though. I do realize that the references I pull are getting further and further. Oh, no. Like, to the point me. where I'm, like, naming, like, Max Miller, old musical comedian from the early 1900s on my podcast. It's like, who the <laughs> fuck? Not even my mum knows that reference. Can you name, Paul, Yeah. both members of Millie Vanilli? Uh, one was called Albert Scritty, and I think the other one was, like, Peter... <laughs> S- <laughs> Sorry, that was an awful guy. I don't know the name. Rob and Fab. Oh. Robin Fab from Millie Vanilli. Yeah. Poor boogers. Yeah. Uh, All right. Somebody else peaches. Okay, great. Uh, okay. Peach number one is uh, next week. That uh, is Audrey's spring break. And we, the family, the Weck family, are going to the Pacific Northwest. And we'll be staying with some friends in Portland for a few days. And then going up to Seattle for a few days. And what, a, what a good I'm way to let everybody to know there. that you're not going to be at your house. <laughs> well, th- luckily, by the time this comes out, I will be home. Ah, so, yes. the beauty of scheduling um, and editing. The beauty of scheduling. But I'm excited. We're going to see our Portland friends we haven't seen for a while, and I'm just psyched to go up to there, uh, to both places because they're great cities. Uh, peach number two is uh, I can say nothing about the details, but a friend of mine has written a giant collection of puzzles that i've been test solving for him and they are so they will be publicly available at some point but they are so fun and i get to every day check the puzzle site and see if there's new puzzles to test and they're written by this crack team of constructors uh i really can't say specifics about it but it's so fun to to be like the first person to see these really great puzzles when they come out I will let people know. Mm. Lovely. But yes. And uh, let's see. Um, uh, Peach number three is I have received the first real mix from my upcoming Smooth Jazz album. Oh. Produced by uh, Commander Meowch. You better send me this shit right now. And it's pretty fucking great if I do say so myself. Uh, it is hard to think of a song I've done that has the potential for being less popular than this particular song, but uh, let me just say it has vocals, and it has the soprano saxophone, mm. and it is about it is about making a jazz song. So, can uh, sorry, it's if very this, I hope exciting. This question isn't insensitive. Yes. No, no, please, please. But can I make love to this album? Yes, you can. I mean, yeah, literally I'll, I'll, and figuratively. I want to know yeah. I can physically make love to the physical edition of the album, and I can also make love along with it. Uh, yeah, you can do you can do both. Okay. Uh, and, and actually, with suitable attachments, the album can make love to you. Oh, I'm sold. I'll have four yeah. copies. It's called a triple threat. <laughs> cool. So, yes. Oh, that's so, exciting. Anyway. All right, cool. All right, yes. I've, I've decided I've got my peaches. All right, so one... Is I need to find it actually. Oh, it's up here. So, years ago, it was a kids show in Britain, uh, Saturday morning TV show thing. Wait, number can seven. I guess? Can I guess? Oh, go on. Are you are you going to talk about Dusty Bin? No. Okay. No, that's I in my back pocket. I love it when you desperate. talk about Dusty Bin. Yeah. 
Dusty Bin is if I come back for a third time because Dusty, <laughs> Dusty Bin has got a lot going on. You don't just talk about Dusty Bin. You've got to talk about Ted Rogers, 321, The Fred Show, the logic of the show. <laughs> it's, it's a rabbit hole. But no. Okay. So when I was a kid, there was a kid's show that um, was called Number 73. Saturday morning show with like actors um, introducing clips of TV shows and sketches and they'd introduce bands on and things like that. It was a Saturday morning show. Mm-hmm. But if you wrote in on the show, you'd get a badge. And I always wanted one. And a kid from my school went on the show and got a badge. And I hated him. Hated him. <laughs> and then I decided instead, because we live in the future, I'll just go on the internet and buy one now. So I did. So <laughs> I'm just going to show you one. So great. It's a number yes, 73 door, a red door badge. There it. we go. So that's now on my Aww. pin board, which in itself is that a beautiful piece. so peak. great. That's not well, congratulations. You, fi- you found a workaround and you did it. Yeah, oh, that's not going to go up and easy. So, yeah, that brought me joy <laughs> because small things do. The other thing is a, f- a friend sent me this, which he 3D printed, and I love it. So it's, it brought me joy. I'm basically presenting things that brought me joy. No, that's great. Perfect. And I, yeah. I wanted to show this off because I don't get to show it. But this is, uh, I guess, on the webcam for Patreon. So that's exciting. You can see my yeah. 3D printed Ghostbusters hood ornament from the oh, 2016 film. Oh, yeah. Look wow, at that. Wow, that's tight. Cool which was on the front of the Ecto-1 in that film. And I adore that hood ornament. So they printed it out and uh, so gave it to me, and that's now on top of my Ghostbusters. That's a good one. Firehouse. I'm a boring man. I like that design, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but boring man. I mean, I'm one note. I no. really am. It's fine. <laughs> You've got to have a gimmick, right? Um, so the third thing is actually someone I should thank a lot more than I do. So for our podcast uh, and for our Patreon supporters, uh, one of our uh, uh, fans but she's better than that now because uh, she makes genuine brilliance. She did a cheap show magazine, which would go out to oh, people wow. who support us. And great idea. she's been doing it for a few years and every issue gets more <gasps> professional to the point where I kind of say, please stop because you're making the actual podcast to social look bad. <laughs> it's like brilliant. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's the tipping point is when the fans start making better content for the show than you do. The minute our audience like, started breaking ooh, wind, they were whoops. already producing better content than our podcast. <laughs> but, so, but, but she really aced it recently because uh, Evan um, got in touch with, I'm going to forget his name now because I'm an awful human being, Bill, long story short, He's, a, he's worked on Futurama and The Simpsons, character designer, worked on Bongo Comics. Turns out, he also drew the poster for the very first movie poster I ever hung up on my wall, which was the horror film House. Oh, oh yes, and I, I love, love it. that poster. Wow, that's a, just, with the with the hand ringing the, the bell. Yeah, right? just the seven yeah, hand yeah. ringing the bell, and yeah. that was him who did it. Bill Williamson, Bill Matheson. Oh, this is, I'm an awful human being. We could look here. Let's look this up right now. I should I should have looked this up beforehand because yeah. that's what a Bill. professional person would do. Designer Simpsons? Yeah. His name is... No, wow, that was bad. Bill Morrison. Bill Morrison. Morrison okay. Great. Is his name. And anyway, what? so moving on from that awkward bit of research, um, he, he did an interview with him because the whole issue was about comic books, but also he designed me and my co-host as Simpsons characters for the front cover of the magazine. And so it's like oh such God. a beautiful, wonderful thing. So I just wanted that to say so great. my big peach would be Yvonne because every time she bangs out a magazine, it is absolutely beautiful. She's done sticker book versions. She's even done free gifts on the front with like pin badges and, and vinyl wow. records and stuff and little flexi discs. Wow. So um, she does it brilliantly. And so everyone so gets great. a digital copy, but then she has a shop front 
where um, you can buy physical copies of it. And I, I, she sends me them, and they're just beautiful things. I, I, I genuinely don't deserve them, but she deserves a lot of love because she's a very talented human being. Can, can where I do, where tell do you, you what's her like uh, physical? Yeah. Where, where can you buy oh, the physical version? If you want to, it's cheapmag.shop. C-H-E-A-P-M-A-G dot shop. And like, she does printed versions of all... Oh, there it is. It's right on the front page. I didn't even check. But yeah. Um, oh my if God. you go there, you can buy printed versions of the digital magazine she releases. And ah, they're brilliant. Because they're full of quotes from the episodes and interviews of other guests we've had on and features based on the features in the show so it all kind of works except you know it's intelligently written and put together this is real <laughs> this that is, is so great, cute i love the art this yeah. rules we i'm very but, blessed with event and everyone who gets involved with that magazine's talent because we have a lot of artists who get in involved and do merch and i've always said if you do art for us on cheap show you protect your art and you sell it on your merch pages so if anyone wants a cheap show t-shirt go to tony or go to whoever and use their page and support them that's so great. What I was going to yeah. tell you, Paul, is that I think you do deserve it. So, well, this yeah. is you, you are. You're great. You're the best. What I'm, can I say? And I want to celebrate. We celebrate all our guests. But oh. today I want to celebrate you because oh. you're one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. So, it's very touching like, because, you know, I have paid him to say this on numerous occasions. But, well, you know, you helped launch the podcast. You were there at the beginning. <laughs> uh, you might even be there at the end, depending on my nefarious plans. Oh, you know what? No, no. Oh. I will promise you right now. Yeah. I will promise you right now that if you tell me this is the final episode, I will be there. I will fly to where, to London or wherever. I will make it out there. Well, if you're gonna, I'll tell you what. If it's I won't, the end. I won't spoil anything, but I don't know how long Cheaper is going to go on for. Who knows? I'm surprised it's lasted this long. But I already know what the last episode's going to be about because mm. we have a certain narrative running through our show. It, to be honest, this is where I go back to. I have stolen from On Cinema considerably for my podcast lately. Mm-hmm. And so we have very similar themes with like plot lines and big events and live stuff and characters. But I know what the last episode is, and it does need you to be there because there. it's all about the first episode. So that's the idea, without spoiling right. it. I will make a promise to to come there for the and what i might maybe, do is no, you know what no no you know i'm gonna walk this back i'm not promising anything but <laughs> i i w- i will send you a very kind voicemail no it's even that, better i will just take this conversation and the others we've had that are recorded <laughs> and i will stitch them together just lift it without which permission. is once yeah, again yeah. another on cinema poll just it is it actually <laughs> is because i was going to drop a sneakers reference right. instead and try and circumvent that comparison <laughs> <laughs> my name is uh, brian and my voice is my passport <laughs> yeah and chipe show is the best show <laughs> yeah so don't worry i've got all the angles covered i'm a very good audio editor uh no but seriously dude thank you for being here i mean you we have known each other for more than 10 years yeah now i mean or yeah more than 10 years uh and it's just it's so i I love that we're still you know we're still in touch and doing stuff together it's it's the best so that's the important thing isn't the two things we're still in touch because you know that was nebulous at the beginning and secondly (laughs) (laughs) that we are still doing stuff because i i know life is weird and odd and no one really knows the path they're going to go on and some started early and some fall into it and I feel like I fell into this and I fell into Cheap Show and I'm very proud of our lucky stupid podcast but I'm also very happy that the people I've met along the way are still 
considered to be friends. So thank you. And thank you yes. both, actually, because it's nice to be on a podcast where I could just chill and be myself and not be rude and say spunk a lot. <laughs> uh, and if people at home want to find you on the social medias or can you recommend a specific episode of your show or should they just it, you jump know what? This the is the problem. This is the I mean, curse. Episode and, one with Brian. Well, Mark, there's that one because that's interesting because that was when we were doing the live stuff. So there's an audience and it was filmed and recorded in a pub. But Cheap Show is interesting because we get bored very easily with our format. And so one week it might be just me and him eating weird stuff or playing with cheap things. And then the next week it's a full on adventure. Like we did a Die Hard episode where terrorists took over our podcast. And so we had to fight <laughs> <laughs> these terrorists to get our characters back. And then there's one episode where we did the Winky documentary, which I remember talking about, which is a three-hour yep. proper Last documentary. The and then yep. there's an episode where we did Your Envision, which Brian was involved in, where we get all listeners both, to send both in. Times. Yeah, both right. times. Oh, did, did, yep. did he drink his so, piss again? No, I mean I'm saving that for the last episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, sorry, I, I did, but I didn't discuss it. Yeah, is a fine line. Hmm. So it all depends. We have so many different formats and genres in the show. So it's, some are more character heavy, some are more plot heavy, some are like game shows, some are like documentaries, some are when we go out and about with a microphone and just go for long walks and have adventures. It depends on what you fancy, but I kind of always go with start with episode 100 because that's our live show. And then after that, it's kind of a suck it and see. And then you, by that point, all the characters start coming in and the plot lines and the bits and bobs. So I don't know. It's hard. So find a title. And if you like it, then go for it. It's a hard sell. It's my own fault. No, well, <laughs> the best stuff. I honestly, I, 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 comedically, like we've been talking about several times, I find that all of my favorite stuff is a hard sell, mm. and that is exactly what makes it my favorite stuff. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a compliment, not, uh, not a dick. <laughs> At least I hope so. And it's now the quote I'm using for our next round of PR before we get to 300, because <laughs> 300 is going to be a huge live show. We've got this big like 600 seater venue which is huge for us and you know we're going to try Whoa. and fill it out and put on a show to end all shows yeah spoilers i'm going to die at the end i every time we do a live show of anything whether it's twitch or live i have to find a way to die at the end and i've got a good one this year <laughs> oh that's very exciting awesome. <laughs> well, we, look for, we, we look forward to your death um me too it's role play for a happier existence <laughs> no, all is well keep smiling okay. that's <laughs> That's a much better end to this show than we typically do. But I will say, if you people happen to enjoy wearing things on your body, mm. we're going to fix that. <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got some merch coming that's hey. really bad. Oh. It's, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so good, we already bought a URL just for this merch. <laughs> that's how... That's how poor a choice it is. That's how much we're going all in on a new merch line. Uh, I, it, you know, in my professional career, I've written some strange and embarrassing emails, but I think I'm setting some new records with this merch. So, <laughs> just so you know, it's coming soon. Yep. And that's so if I buy any of this stuff, real soon. do I have to call myself Dr. Paul Gannon? <laughs> just so I yes. can protect myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's cool. all coming all right, soon. I am in. I am in. As long as it's got three speeds, I am in. Oh, it definitely has three speeds. <laughs> All right, is that the end of the show? Did we do yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Bye. I'm actually... Yeah, good. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> Delayton, do you have any catchphrases you want to say? I already said all my things that I was going to say. I was trying to do it the thing, and th it's the end of the episode right now. 
Goodbye. Yeah, and I talk a lot, so I apologize. I'm pretty gobby. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. Oh, bye. Am I still here? (laughs) (laughs) Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. Also, if you want to buy some merch, which you do, go to merch.latennight.com.